I had to start buying what I wanted to force myself to step up my game before I truly actually understood how to do that. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Woman podcast. Today, I am joined by Sarah Hockett on my team who is going to ask me some pointed questions about the style episode that we recently dropped on this podcast. And that was a very long and extended uh, personal story about my evolution of stepping into style and what that really required of me and my, my, my journey with that and what it meant to me in terms of self-worth and self-image and how it relates to building my own business and growing my income and becoming the woman that I knew myself to be, but wasn't actually being. And if you haven't listened to that episode, it would probably behoove you to go back and listen to that first before you Uh, dive into this one where Sarah is asking me a bunch of questions to pull out some more information. And and we decided to do, just a note on that, we decided to do an unpacking episode on this, this particular episode because afterwards I was Skyping with Sarah and saying, could you please listen to, to, for this and, and tell me if I sound like an entitled, you know what, because I, I'm still in the journey and I'm, I'm very transparent about being still in the journey and I don't want, and and, you know, obviously we're all still in the journey and, and maybe we can talk a little bit about what that means today as well. Uh, Hopefully everyone's in growth, but when it happens so rapidly and you, you then have to recalibrate and you have to wonder, am I seeing and speaking about my experience in a way that discounts where I was when I started. And I don't want to discount where I was where I, when I started because it was a huge journey for me. And so if it sounded, I, I, I was like, Sarah, does this sound like I'm just like making it sound insignificant? Like just go buy the pretty things, right? Like let them just eat cake, right? Like that makes no sense whatsoever. And that's not what I'm trying to communicate uh, with this story, but I had that little niggle in the back of my mind. And so obviously that's something that's still up for me and I'm working through clearly. Uh, and is the inspiration for taking this conversation a little further. So I hand this over to you, Sarah, with whatever questions you may have to pull this, this out further, if you will. Yeah. So first of all, I want to address a couple of things. You did have that conversation with me and you were like, did I make it sound like it's bad to, to shop at Target? Cause like, that's not, it's not at all what I think. I just, you know, and, and I was like, no, I, I listened to it. I went back and listened to it again after you and I talked. And the reason that I, I've, and you know, I'm usually the one that's like, let's keep this within 30 minutes. So it's consistent. This is a longer episode, but I want to leave it a longer episode because you talked about where you started and, you know, how you changed your thought process and your limiting beliefs around what it was like to, to, to step into a style that lit you up. Um, and, and, you know, like, I think that that's an important part of the story is where you started. So let's, let's start there. Um, how long, and again, you I know that you're kind of still on this journey. How long have you been on this journey of 
discovering what your style really is. Yes. So, I mean, how far back do you really want to go, right? I think, <laughs> I think, you know, that starts in your teenage years, that starts as kids, all of that. I think we were all playing with style along the way. But I, I, I think the real question you're asking is how did I step into that sort of owning my, what I, how I really loved to present in this world and show up and make the outer reflect the inner, if you will. Exactly. Yep. And, and I think a lot of people have, have a better grip on this than I do now and that I ever did ever. And they started when they were 12 or six and they're just naturally inclined to, um, play with fashion, play with style, play with, um, adornment and makeup and hair and all of that. And that's not how I grew up. It wasn't like I didn't like lipstick when I was growing up. I did. Okay. I always had bright red lipstick on as a teenager, but I didn't really own it. I didn't understand how to present myself in a way that I really liked. And quite frankly, much of that had to do with not having access to the means to create that style. I remember very distinctly as a teenager circling, getting, do you remember Esprit? I don't know if you're old enough. There's a company called Esprit. She no. Shakespeare, no. Okay. Like, well, no, I'm, I'm the generation of Delia's and Alloy. Okay. <laughs> um, so there was a company called Esprit in the eighties and it was, I think it might've been a French company. I'm not sure. It, and I just loved their clothing and they, they had stores and they had catalogs and I would get the catalogs and I would circle it, right? They had, they put together all the outfits and I'm like, Ooh, I want to look like this. And then you add it, I added up like how much it would cost to buy that outfit. And of course I didn't want just that one outfit. I wanted five outfits. I wanted 10 outfits. And even just one outfit was like way beyond my ability to purchase it. I, I just didn't have the means. I did not have the financial means. And so you repress or I repressed that desire. And it was harder then, but you, you do that over time, multiple times, and you become a 20-year-old, you become a 30-year-old, you become a 40-year-old who does not buy the things that she wants because she doesn't have what the, the means to do that. And, and there's a way in which we accept that as the reality. Like, of course... You don't buy the thing that you want because you can't afford it. And you're going to be stuck in this des desiring things that you can't have and therefore suppressing your, your true desires and yada, 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 right? And down that path. And so I think I, I stuffed it for a long time because I didn't, I didn't know how to create it, the financial means. Now, there are other people who don't do that. Let me just say that there are people who are rocking amazing styles and making it work on a very low budget. And they have more creativity around that than I do. Let me just say, okay, totally admire that. However, for me, it's like, I look at something, I like it. I want that. I, I'm not someone who's going to figure out how to make it or so, or it's just not, you know, I, I'm, I'm a lot of other things, but I'm not that. I've had too many craft fails. Let me just tell you. Okay. Like I've, I've bought the sewing machine and failed. Okay. So, uh, so I think this journey really began for me when I started the next level of making, uh, income. And that was when I made my quantum leap that year when I went from 138 to 700 K cause 
even at 138, I was still shopping at Target. I was still, and, and not that I never bought any nice things. And some things are nice at Target. See, this is where I get tripped up. Okay. Um, but it wasn't that I was never buying investment pieces. Let's call it that. Okay. But it wasn't, it, it was always a very large buying decision for me. And it caused me a lot of consternation. And is this right? Is this a good thing to spend your money on it because of this mindset of limited resources and, and quite frankly, not understanding how to create income, not re- like being totally dependent on other people and uh, things outside of my conscious control to create income. And so you always think you're going to run out if that's the case. So maybe it, maybe it is wrong to spend my money on the money on this because I might, might not have enough later. Okay. And, and that's how I was raised. That's how most people are raised. When you learn how to create income and it's a learned skill for me, it was a learned skill. Uh, and for most of my clients, it's a learned skill. And, but once you learn that and you understand how to create income, the, the methodology and the mechanism, then you can buy what you want, knowing that you'll step up your game. Okay. Now I had to start buying what I wanted to force myself to step up my game before I truly actually understood how to do that. Okay. I, I, I forced myself to learn because I wasn't going to go, you know, into bankruptcy or whatever. Okay. Um, so more specifically to answer your question, Sarah, that started about six years ago. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's talk a little bit about what, where you ended that note there, where it was, you know, that you had to step into that before you really felt like you were ready. You know what a big fan I am of Barbara Corcoran, and I listen to her podcast, and uh, she says in her, in her podcast that with her very first commission check ever, when she had no money and was nobody, she went and she spent the money on uh, her signature red blazer. It was an expensive blazer because she wanted to be able to walk in a room and be like, I belong here. I feel good. I look good. Like this is who I am and this is where I belong. So I want to play in a little bit about how your personal style affects your own self image because like, and I'm going to hit on this too, because right now with coronavirus, a lot of people find themselves working at home that didn't work at home before. And I'll have people ask me, I've worked at home for years. And they'll be like, how do you get stuff done? And the first question I always ask them is, what did you wear today? <laughs> because I, and then if they answer, it was sweatpants. Like, okay, well, let's start right there because that's a problem. <laughs> Don't wear sweatpants. Like, I know you're at home. I know they're comfy. Don't wear sweatpants because you're in sleep mode. <laughs> Absolutely. So can you talk a little bit about how that, that style affects your self-image? Absolutely. So I'm a big fan of Barbara Cochran too. She's on my um, wish list of new best friends. So anyone who knows Barbara and wants to introduce me, please be ever grateful. Sarah and I will both, will both go on that lunch date. I'll take Sarah too, right? Um, so, okay. So yes, please. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, absolutely. I think that here's, here's the thing. It's, it's circular. There is a great quote by James Allen, which in summary says, and I'm paraphrasing here, 
environment is but, but your looking glass. Actually, that is an actual quote, but it's part of a bigger one. Environment is but your looking glass. So everything outside of yourself that you are seeing is a reflection of what you have been thinking about life, yourself, others, all of that. It's a reflection of what you have been thinking, what came before. Now, we can pattern interrupt, okay? And we can say, okay, I'm looking in the mirror and I am seeing someone who's disheveled, who didn't put on makeup this morning, who didn't do her hair. This was me. If you don't, if you're like someone who's been putting on makeup for 50 fucking years and I just want to take my makeup off, more power to you. But like you're seeing someone who isn't reflecting who you want to be. Your, your house, your furnishings aren't reflecting that. Your hairstyle, your, your dress, the way you walk, the way you talk is not reflecting who you know yourself to be. Well, we can play a little trick on ourselves, okay? Which is we buy pretty clothes and we put on pretty makeup and we do our hair and we see ourselves in the mirror and we go, oh, wow, she's pretty cute. I like the way she looks. And then you start having a better self-image about yourself because the out matches the in. And then you start thinking differently about yourself. And that then creates different outcomes. So when you buy that cute red blazer and you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, that's a woman who belongs in this room, then you start thinking, I'm a woman that belongs in this room. And you hold yourself differently and you act differently and you're out there in this world. Now, we can start with the thought also. So the thought would be, to use that example, I am I am someone who is always stepping up her life, right? I am, I am someone who's always investing in herself. So then the red blazer, I want that. I know what that will do for me. I'll buy the red blazer and then I'm off to the races. And, and it's it's circular and and we can work it at, on both sides, okay? And I think really... We have to be, we have to start thinking that we deserve it so that we take the action to buy it. And that's always like this, this, um, there's a place of dissonance there when you are like, can I actually do that? Right. And, and then you do it, you have the experience, it changes you and that drives the next level thinking. Okay. And it's, it's from both, from both sides. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That and makes like, a lot of sense. One more thing on that please. Of course I can, but I'm going to, before you talk, let me say one more thing. I think I had a really interesting experience recently with the whole COVID-19 thing and, and not going out and not, not getting your hair done and your nails done. And, and for me, I, I get fake eyelashes put on. Okay. And it's changed my freaking life. Okay. I, I started doing this maybe three years ago, two years ago, three years ago. And I love it. I look at myself in the mirror when I wake up and I have bright, shiny eyes, right? Even with no makeup, I like, I, I, I'm open and I, I just like, it sets my face off. I, I just love the way I look. And that's who I've come to see myself as. Well, with COVID, obviously you can't go get your eyelashes done. Okay. Well, I didn't. And, uh, I had to really adjust to seeing myself differently. And it was, it was shocking and just uncomfortable. And there was dissonance there. And I had to really 
work on my internal thinking so that I wasn't one dependent on the, the eyelashes for my self-image. But it was an interesting um, experience in how the outer ref- affects the inner and that then you you do have to take a stand. And, you know, I was like, I am beautiful. I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But wait, can we talk about what happened the first time you um, did get your eyelashes done? Uh, put like as, as things were opening up, this, this goes back to you, you, you and your girl school. What did I, can you remind me? I don't remember. Uh, remember how you had to have sissy redo them? Why did, why did that happen? Oh, cause I washed <laughs> my face. I totally forgot. That's funny that I told you that I forgot. So I, you know, when you get your eyelashes done for the first 24 hours, you're not allowed to get them wet because the, they're, they're curing and, I completely was like on autopilot. It had been two months and I washed my face and like half the eyelashes fell out and there they go. Bye-bye. Shoot. (laughs) (laughs) So good. But you know, that would have, so bringing this back to business and income generation, that would have freaked me out previously. I just paid for this. What did I do? You're such a screw up. You're such a mess up. And right, because I didn't have the means to, to pay for it. Right. But now, like, I, I seriously remember the kind of, you know, you, you, you stain the pants that you just bought and you're like beating yourself up over it. Right. And you're making yourself wrong. And that keeps you in a cycle of wrongness and, and smallness in this world. And because I have the means, you know, I don't have the means of a billionaire, but I have the means to be like, Oh yeah, I'll just get my eyelashes done again. It's not a big deal. Now it's just a funny story. It was two days later, she came back and she did your lashes and they look beautiful for the event that we just had. Um, you know, so now it's just a funny story. Like, Oh fuck. But you know, I, I think like I, so many people save garments for special occasions or like, Oh, I spent a lot on this. I can't wear it. Uh, and you know, like why? Like if you bought it, wear it. If it makes you feel good, wear it. <laughs> Yeah. And this is one of the things that I, I really had to, to, to learn personally. And to your point about telling your friends, you know, get dressed in the morning. I had to learn that. Like, I want to wear a pretty dress. I never used to wear dresses. Like, no one's going to see me. No one is going to see me. Today is a non-client day. I'm getting dressed for myself. That is a self-worth piece. I'm getting dressed because it makes me feel good. Okay. I'm, I'm getting dressed because it makes me feel sexy because I want to feel alive, right? Like, and I wear clothes because of the way they make me feel. Like, this dress makes me feel, can I say it? I'm going to say it. It makes me feel fuckable, right? You know? Like, it makes me feel like, like, yeah, let's go. And that's a life force. There's energy behind that. There's sexuality and and power in that. And I think as as women... I, I know that I was not tapped into that and I had to learn to be tapped into it again. I think I was when I was younger, you know, I think we're naturally born with that. I don't think it's like, we're not, we don't have it and we have to have to grow it. I think it gets suppressed and I had to learn to unleash it, you know, and some days I'm in my funky cool or my edgy or, you know, and I'm, I'm in a, you know, jeans and pretty, pretty shirt phase right now. But there was a whole phase where I was like, I'm wearing a skirt every single day. <laughs> I think that, I think that 
all women go through phases and some women I think go through phases like even faster than others. Like I'm definitely someone that I could look like a punk rocker one day and then be in a pretty sundress the very next. And you're like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> you have, you, you, what do you mean? You're multifaceted, Sarah? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll dress on how I feel for the day. <laughs> totally, totally. So I think the other thing around style is it has to be your own. It has to be your uh, self-expression. And I don't think I knew what my self-expression was. And I had to model other people initially. And I had to get great ideas from other people. And that was really important to me. And I think that's part of the sort of stepping stone stairs, the stairs that you, you need to walk up. For me, it was. I'm talking about my story. And I think that this is transferable, that you know, look for models. What, what, who's doing what you want? And can you, can you move towards that? And like I just said, there was a whole phase where I was wearing pretty, pretty dresses every day. That came, that idea of like wearing dresses every day came from uh, a woman. Her name is Kim Anami. Everyone should run, not walk. Okay. She's great. Um, and she talks about how she only wears dresses. I don't know if she does does that anymore. This was years ago, but only wears dresses because it's sexy. She's by the by the by. She teaches. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. Sexuality, great. How to how to own your sexuality, and for both men and women and couples. And and she teaches it from a a Taoist perspective, from a tantra perspective, and from a Western perspective. All three. And she has a very unique way of teaching it. And her, her stance on wearing dresses was like, you know, easier to have sex, you know, lift it up. Here it is. And I know that's a little racy for some of you, but I <laughs> heard that. And I was like, that's a powerful energy right there. That's some powerful shit, right? Like owning that. And then even when no one's watching and there's no, like, I'm not doing it for a man. I'm not doing it for a woman, doing it for myself. Because, and this is where I'll bring in the laws, right? That sexual energy is creative life force energy. Okay, this is this is the the law of gender. You need that sexual creative energy to bring life into this world. That sexual energy brings life into this world, and it's what brings life to your ideas, to your your desires to your goals. And it's part of how you manifest is if you can tap into that creative energy, which is sexual energy. And I think linking it to style is really important. I believe that men too, but I'm, I'm speaking to mostly women here, that women love to adorn themselves. They love to have style. We want, we're, we're animals just like the animal kingdom. We like, we want a preen. Okay. And, and it's sexy and we do it to be attractive to ourselves and to be attractive to others. Don't suppress that. Don't deny that. And when you are feeling sexually lit up and loving how you look, then guess what? You are attractive to other people. You're attractive to clients. You're attracted attractive to lovers, partners, your, your, your girlfriends, even right. Like your, you, you, the people that are around you vibe off of how good you feel about yourself. Cause you feel attractive. And again, I want to be super, super clear. My style does not need to be your style. It's what, 
what lights you up. Find that. And if you hear something or you see something that you like, or makes you think, oh, look at that. That's, that's hot. That's sexy. That's cool. Follow that. Don't deny it. It's part of what is wanting to come through for you. And let's talk about how you stepped into that a little bit, because like now, you know, it's, it's not an issue. Sometimes we'll jump on a call and I'd be like, Whoa, holy boob, you look great today. But, (laughs) but I know that that wasn't always the case. You talked in the episode a little bit about um, hiring a personal shopper and going to the high end store and how you felt a little bit uncomfortable at first because you had this idea in your mind of what that was going to be like, which immediately you realized wasn't accurate. But then you also talked about uh, styling a body that was 30 pounds heavier and and wanting to kind of have some of those pieces that made you feel sexy and those not working on that body. So let's can you can you elaborate a little more on how you kind of stepped into where you're like, yeah, I look fucking good. Oh, okay. Well, part of it was letting go of the weight, right? Like actually the outside matching the inside. Okay. So I had to use everything that I teach my clients around self-image, like that we have a a self-image that is in our subconscious and it was developed when we were very young and you are going to continue to execute in this world so that you play out that self-image. Now, what if that self-image is of the frumpy, little bit overweight, not attractive little sister, right? Yes, I am the little sister. You can, you know, feel free to analyze that. Okay. (laughs) Pop analysis. So what got conditioned there kept playing out over and over and over again. And I had to change that self-image. And I was struggling with it because I kept seeing that outer vision that was 30 pounds overweight over what I wanted to weigh versus where I wanted to go. And so I had to change that internal self-image, then execute on it. So a lot of people do this with magical thinking and I don't buy into it. I know it doesn't work. I see see people circle around this. I'm just going to think, 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 think. That's not enough. It's part of the game. Okay. You actually have to take action and that requires decision. That requires willpower. That requires persistence. And when, when I say willpower, I do not mean force. I mean choice. And I made a very clear decision. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to execute on. I am going to change my effing set point. And I did it. I did it, but I did it out of love and desire and with intellectual understanding, not out of fear that I was unlovable and I needed to change for someone else. It was, it was causative from where, uh, from my desire place. And I think that's a a big uh, aspect to this. Am I still challenged on this? I'm going to ask myself the question. Am I still challenged on this? Absolutely. Okay. Because your old programming dies, dies hard. I hate that expression, but, um, you know, your subconscious is quite insidious. It's going to, it's, it's going to hold on to what it knows most completely. So it knew for 46 years you're the chubby, unattractive, a little disheveled, a little frumpy one, right? There's probably other descriptors there. And, you know, I want to go back to to that. There's a part of me, not a conscious part, but there's a part of me that really would love to go back to that. And I refuse. 
And let me tell you some specificity around refusing. So the thing that comes up is less about the weight, but it's about something I do um, in my life that's connected here. For For a long time, I used to be someone who would throw her clothes on the chair by the, her bed. Okay. Are you laughing? We all have the chair. Yes. Right. <laughs> and I wouldn't hang them up and they would pile because, you know, I might wear them again or I'm too sleepy to put them away or whatever, or there's not room in the closet or whatever. Right. But that made a mess and orders heaven's first law. And quite frankly, I looked at that mess every day and it was a reflection of what was inside. It was a reflection of how I was treating myself, my self-worth. It might just seem like clothes on a chair, but it's a, it's a symbol of how you are respecting yourself. And I wasn't. Now, I, a, a little litmus test that I have that I pay attention to is do I feel there's a chair in my closet so I can sit down and put my shoes on, but do I throw my clothes on the chair or do I hang them up? I refuse to let them sit on the chair. Okay. I like it. I like it. it. Right. It's like, I know what my subconscious wants to do. It's like, it's okay. It's 1030 at night. Don't no. The (laughs) hangers right there. You hang up your clothes because they're beautiful and you respect yourself and you want a clean and ordered environment and you're worth it and you deserve it. And it takes two seconds. Okay. Yeah. It really, it's like, if you think about how long it actually takes to like hang something up, it doesn't take that long, but our subconscious wants to bring us right back to disheveled. Okay. And I refuse. So this is one of those things. And so when, when the, the scale starts showing me creeping up, it's like, oh, pay attention. I refuse. And, and I want to be also clear here that I'm not a weightist, right? Like if your weight is your weight, whatever you feel good at. Okay. So there's zero judgment about you needing to be a size zero or anything like that. Like I I don't buy into that. It's what you feel good at. And I know that I feel good at a certain weight. And when I start creeping up, that's like a, Oh, wake up call. And I know that's not like revelatory, but in the, in the framework of looking at how your subconscious is insidiously trying to get you to go back to your old self image. That might be a new, new lens through which to look at that. It's very true. And like, I'll be honest, I I'm sometimes guilty of the chair. Like I'm very familiar. And like when I do it, once it's there, I'll walk by and be like, (laughs) you know, like, like that, like you feel that feeling of like, ah, crap, there's crap on the chair. Like it feels cluttered. It feels stressful. Why did I leave that there? Like, and again, it takes two seconds to put it away. And I'll sometimes. So you just throw it on the chair. And I think that most women know about the chair. Absolutely. The chair, right? Chair. And, and, and it's all these little places where, you know, you make these incremental uh, movements forward and, and it's based on choice. And you, you just have to keep holding yourself to these higher standards. Another place, Sarah, around time. And I think time is a big aspect to this. Like, do we give ourselves the time? Hanging up the the piece of clothing is giving yourself the time. Okay. That's a deservability issue. Do I have the right to have this space, this time? And I know that I had to claim it, claim the time to put my makeup on. If I wanted to get dressed in the morning, claim the time to do my hair. If I wanted to do my hair in the morning. Right. And sometimes, you know, I think I don't want to do my hair. And I'm like, 
I want, actually, I do want to do my hair. That is like the insidious subconscious coming in, like saying that again, um, because I actually like what I look like here. Okay. Now, another place this comes in uh, that's related to the chair is I used to walk past the plant that needed to be watered for weeks thinking <laughs> I need to water that plant. Right? Poor little plant. Okay. Totally dependent. This little house plant, totally dependent on me. When was I going to, to water this plant? Right. And it took up so much more energy and mental space, not watering the plant saying, I'll do that later. I don't have time right now than to just water the freaking plant. But this was like this idea of I don't have time was so woven in. And then it, of course, proves out that you're not good enough because you've let the plant die. Okay. It's just, it's a crazy cycle. Anyways, it's related to the chair. I hope that was a connected thought there. Absolutely. When it, when it comes to the mentality of I don't have the time, where do you think that comes from? Oh, absolutely know where that comes from. So think about how people are raised. They're raised by parents or surrogate parents, people who played the role of parent. And that person was where all your security came from, all your survivability came from. We knew intuitively, instinctually, that if that love flow was cut off, then we wouldn't be secure in this world. We wouldn't be fed. We wouldn't be clothed. We would be left out for the animals to eat us, right? We just would not actually survive. And, and we know that instinctually as human babies. And so if the love is not flowing, if our parents cut off the love when they are upset at us, and this is how most parents train their kids to navigate the world. They're, they're doing the best they can with what they have, but it's not a, it's not a um, very functional way of child rearing. And you, you want something in this world and they cut off the love and, and you instantly feel unsafe because that love isn't flowing and the parent may not take care of you. The parent knows it's going to take care of you, that it's just upset at you, but you don't know that as a, as a child. Okay. It's the same thing with time. So if you're a child and you say, I want to play with my toys right now, or I want to stare out the window and daydream, and your mother or father is like, hurry up, we got to go, we got to get to school on time, right? Like totally legitimate reason for doing it. And many illegitimate reasons for doing it. I need you to satisfy my every need. So please jump through these thousand and one hoops. That's also like, that, that might not be as legitimate as socialization and going to school and things like that, right? And so you learn that you don't have control over your time and that you're not worthy of claiming your time in the same way that we learn that we're not worthy of claiming what we want. Wanting can be a thing and wanting can be space to daydream, space to time to put on makeup and play. And it's not, it's not like you never had that time as a kid, but you got programmed in enough and for, for different people at different levels. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I don't think I have any other questions for you today. Okay. Awesome. 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 Thank you for asking me these questions and giving me this forum. Thank you podcast listeners for listening in. If you have any questions that you would like us to 
flesh out further on this topic or any other topic, we would be happy to hear from you. Please let us know at theunstoppablewoman.com and you can go to theunstoppablewoman.com slash listen and there is a place for you to record a question for us. Okay, with that, rock it out and be unstoppable. Thank you so much for joining us and for being a part of the Unstoppable Woman movement. I want to let you know that we've got a ton of free resources for you for scaling your business at theunstoppablewoman.com slash free stuff. Please go ahead and check those out. And we'd also love your help in getting the message out. Share this podcast with all the unstoppable women in your life, your friends, your colleagues, your business besties. Please do that. And if you're game, we'd super duper duper appreciate a review on iTunes as well. Thanks so much and be unstoppable.